there is nothing more important than relationships. And that's why uh, relationships have the greatest potential to bring us joy and fulfillment. But it also is why relationships also have the greatest potential to bring us pain and disappointment. Uh, today we're talking about the relationship that we have with each other in the intimate uh, relationship that God calls us to in marriage. The first relationship that man ever had was with God, but the second relationship that man had was with his wife. Uh, we read in Genesis that God formed man out of the dust of the ground and that he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And then God looked at the man and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Therefore, I will make a helper suitable for him. Uh, we're in a series this summer called Hard Sayings of Jesus. And uh, today we talk about a hard saying about marriage and divorce. And you may ask, well, Steve, why in the world would you want to teach on divorce? Well, to be honest, with all apologies to my dentist, I'd rather have a root canal than to teach on divorce. But the Bible talks about it. And I happen to know as a pastor that a lot of people wonder about it. In fact, I get questions all the time, questions like these. Is divorce ever allowed? And the answer is yes, and we're going to talk about when that is true. Uh, another question I get all the time is, if you've been divorced, can you ever remarry with God's blessing? And the answer to that is yes, but we're going to talk about in what circumstances, because there are some circumstances where that's not true. Uh, another question I hear all the time, what do I do if I'm in my second or third marriage and I find out that as I read the scripture that my divorce was never biblical and I disobeyed God? And we're going to talk in depth about that too. What do you do when you find yourself in that place? And then another question that I hear all the time, if I have been divorced, can I still serve God in a significant role? And the answer to that is definitely yes, but under certain circumstances. So we're talking today about marriage, and it's a, it's a subject we all ought to be interested in today. Uh, statistics tell us that uh, of all Americans, 80% of American adults will be married at some time during their life. And we also find out that even people who give up on their spouse have not given up on marriage. Four out of 10 people who get married this year have been married previously. And so we look at this subject of both marriage and divorce. And as we do so, we must emphasize two truths that the Scripture emphasizes when it comes to this. The first is God's grace, and the second is God's plan. Now, let me just say this as I begin the message today. Please listen to the entire message before you make up your mind, all right? And, and please don't storm out of here halfway through the message and then send me emails, okay? Now, I will say that I hope to make two groups unhappy today. I hope to make those who are legalists the Pharisees among us who like to pick on the sin that they're not guilty of and condemn others. I hope I make you really mad today talking about God's grace. And the other group I hope to make unhappy today are liberals who would say there is no standard and you can do whatever you want to do and God's going to forgive you anyway, so you might as well do it. Uh, I fully expect the Pharisees and liberals to email me this week because this is a difficult topic. Would you please put your name on your email? Don't be a coward indeed. All right, so first of all, we talk about God's grace. If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to turn to 1 John 1, 8 and 9, or you can just read it there on the screens. Here's what it says. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If, however, we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes we make a mistake, and one of the mistakes that we make is a mistake of divorce. And if we'll just go ahead and admit that, we'll go ahead and say, I was wrong. I did not do it the way God said to do it, did not give it the chance that God said I should give it, then what God will do is he'll forgive us. And it's, un- it's just like every other sin. It can be cleansed from us. Now, I want to just say that there are some who are divorced here today, and you did not sin. Uh, you were the draggee. It was not your choice. Sometimes you filed for divorce, but you filed for divorce because you had no choice, because the relationship had already been destroyed by someone else because of their adultery. But also please note that when a divorce takes place, at least one person in that marriage will have sinned. Uh, Somebody made a mistake that they need to own and they need to confess so they can move past that. In the past, the church has been very judgmental about divorce and they've done it several ways. First of all, they've condemned all divorces and the Bible says that divorce is not only allowable in some cases, it's understandable. Also, we have made a divorce a unique sin. And according to the book of James, all sins are alike. Certainly, there are some sins that have greater consequences. If I lie to my wife, it doesn't hurt her as much as if I murder my wife. Okay, I understand that. But according to James, I'm just as guilty as if I lie or if I murder. Both of them are disobedience from God. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. But somehow, the church has tried to put divorce in a separate category. And as a result, to create a lifetime ban from forgiveness and from serving in a meaningful way. And certainly there are consequences to any sin, and especially, or not especially, but also the sin of divorce. But one of those consequences is not perpetual guilt, and it's not a lifetime ban from meaningful service. I think almost all of us can agree that the church needs to be more compassionate when it comes to divorce. However, in our effort to become compassionate, the Bible does not give us the option to say that divorce is always okay. Because sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's very serious. It's not compassionate to those who are considering divorce to dismiss God's commands about marriage. It's not compassionate to the next generation who are looking at our lives as an example and a model. Uh, Marsha and I, uh, this summer, will have been married for 44 years. And as I look back over those 44 years, Marsha describes those first three years of our marriage as the worst years of her life. (laughs) And I confess I'm the one who's guilty about that. And there have been some other years in there that have been tough years. But the reason we've stayed together for 44 years is not because we're better Christians than everybody or that we've tried harder or that we know more. The reason is that before we got married, we looked in the scriptures and we saw that divorce was not an option. It just wasn't. It was never anything that was discussed. It was never anything that was approached even in the toughest times of our marriage. It wasn't an option. Marcia said murder was at times, (laughs) but never divorce. And when it's not an option, then you get really creative about trying to figure out how to work through the difficulties instead of taking those same difficulties to your second and your third and perhaps even your fourth marriage. I I remember the day that I thought to myself, I'm stuck with this woman the rest of my life. 
I better figure out how to love her and how to communicate to her and how to accept her faults and encourage her to accept mine. There's a real caution here when we begin to talk about God's grace as it relates to any sin. And the, and the caution is, is that we would look and say, well, you know, since God will forgive any sin, let's just go ahead and sin. Premeditated confession. Something wrong with that. Uh, in Romans, the sixth chapter, uh, Paul deals with that issue. And he says, when, when, when sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And somebody might say, well, then let's just sin more. And here's what Paul says to that. He says, God forbid that you would take that attitude. Do you not understand that God made boundaries because he loves us? He's trying to protect us and he's trying to provide for us. Be like if I got in a car and I got drunk and I broke the speed limit and I ran into a tree and broke all my limbs. And then a policeman came up and said, I wanna give you grace, you deserve a ticket, you deserve to go to jail, lose your license, but I'm gonna forgive you, there's grace. I'm still, I'm still in a heap of trouble. Because there's damage that takes place to ourselves. There's damage that takes place to our children. There's damage that takes place to the name of Jesus Christ anytime we have premeditated confession. And so, here, first of all, God's grace divorce is not the unpardonable sin. You can be divorced and not even have committed a sin if you're the innocent party. But if you have committed a sin, you need to come to God and own it. And not feel like you have to put a spin on it or somehow change the scripture to make yourself feel better. It's not necessary. God will forgive. You can move on with your life. But the second thing we must also consider is we must consider God's plan. One man for one woman for one lifetime. That's God's plan. And there are several reasons for that. One is that God wants to provide fellowship for us in Marriage. The scripture says in Genesis that God looked down and he said, it's not good that man should be alone. You see, the reason most of us are going to get married is because God has put deep inside of us the urge to merge. He really has. He wants us to be in deep, intimate relationships where we can be real and we can be authentic. Now, there are particular seasons where God gives us grace to be single and there are particular people that God gives grace to be single but for most of us God made us to be in those kinds of deep intimate relationships fellowship the second reason is that God has a plan in marriage to promote personal growth again in Genesis 2 18 he says I will make a helper suitable for him and when we get into a marriage relationship, what happens is that our real character is revealed. We might project to other people how we want them to see us, but when we live with someone, when we share a checkbook with someone, when we share a bathroom with someone, all of a sudden the real us is revealed and it allows us to become better people. It challenges us to be who God has called us to be. There was a study several years ago that said married men live longer than single men. And then they looked deeper in the study and they found out it wasn't that married men really live longer than single men, it just seems longer. <laughs> and part of the reason is that it's tough being married, it is. But it's the fire of marriage, it's the fire of intimacy that creates those conflicts, those natural conflicts that if we work through them, we give away our selfishness. If we work through them, God uses marriage and our marriage partner to redeem us. I even believe that the sins that our spouse commits, 
although that's not God's will, that God is such a great God, he can use those to challenge us to grow in the very areas that we need to grow like a, a, a diamond that's being polished with all the grinding that's there. So first of all, it's for fellowship. Second of all, it's for personal growth. Thirdly, it's for reproduction. In Genesis, the first chapter, verse 18, he said to that first couple, he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And again, as I've said in the past, uh, this church doesn't need to worry about that one. All right, you're doing a great job of replenishing the earth. We open a new nursery every single month at our church. God bless you for keeping that command. But according to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, we're also to reproduce spiritually. Verse four, four, it says that we're to bring up our children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. God has given us the home. And he's put a male in there with the unique characteristics and the way of looking at life that a male has. He's put a female in there with the unique sensitivities and the awareness that she has. And together they're to raise their children up to know God's love and then to grow in discipleship following Christ, not only by what they say, but mostly by how they live out their life. That's why we believe that the family is the primary vehicle for discipleship. That's why we launched an effort about a decade ago called Home Point, where we're giving the resources to the parents so the parents can do the job that only they can do. We have your kids maybe two hours a week. We cannot disciple your kids. It's not our job to raise your kids. We will not do your job. We will help you do your job. And a wonderful thing that God, out of this movement, out of our conviction, uh, almost 500 churches across the world have adopted the Home Point model and the, and the materials that we're providing today. But it's nothing new, really. It's coming back to God's original plan. Parents are to reproduce themselves spiritually. And then the fourth reason is that marriage is to reflect our relationship with God. Marriage is to be a metaphor a visual a teaching aid for the whole world to see the relationship that God wants to have with the church, his bride. And one day the Bible says that we'll go to heaven, there's gonna be a great marriage feast between the groom, Jesus Christ, and the bridegroom, uh, the bride, the, the church. And, and we're to live that out, that intimacy and that acceptance and that unconditional love. And when we allow our marriage to disintegrate, what happens is we lose that fellowship. We lose the opportunities for growth. Uh, we lose the opportunity to reproduce our faith to the extent that God would have us to reproduce it with our children. And we lose our witness in this world. Marriage is a gift from God to bless us with fellowship and growth, to bless our kids with discipleship, to bless this world with a clear Example, and because of that, Jesus gives us this hard saying today that's found in Matthew, the 19th chapter, verse four. Jesus answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but they're one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And they said to him, then why did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? And he said to them, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives, but it was not from the beginning. It's not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. 
Now, guys, that's a hard saying in our day and age. It is a very, very hard saying, but that is what Jesus is saying. Now, let's look deeply in what he's saying here. He's telling them to stay with their wives, and he says, well, what about Moses? Moses said that when we divorce our wives, we're to give them a, a, a certificate. And what he's saying is, is Moses was giving you a vehicle for clarity because of the hardness of your heart. You see, the people were setting aside their wives willy-nilly just because they didn't want to be with their wife anymore. Then they would change their mind, they'd get back with their wife, and then they'd set their wife aside again. He goes, no, 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 no. If you're going to divorce your wife, then you need to make it official. You need to give her a certificate that says you're no longer married to her. Now, you're not allowed to go into a new relationship. You're just saying this one has officially ended, and there is no freedom for remarriage in that. In the same way, today, there are times other than adultery when people have to separate, maybe even have what we would consider a civil divorce, but under God, they're still married in terms of how God looks at them. See, I don't know why God said the only reason for divorce is adultery. Why didn't he say physical abuse? I don't know. That would have made my job a lot easier, but he didn't. And so there are times when you have to be separated to be a good steward, but you're not allowed to move into another relationship. There are times when someone would divorce you, but adultery is not involved. And according to the Bible, when you read all that it says about that, you have to remain single. That doesn't seem fair, does it? But here's what I found. Many times what, what God gives us as a command that doesn't seem fair is really protecting us. And many times I've found that there are people who are divorced or separated and there's not a biblical grounds for that. And so they're not free to remarry. And what happens is during that time where they're not free to remarry, God does a work in their life so that they don't rebound into a dysfunctional relationship again. Even when there is a biblical divorce, when adultery is involved, my advice has always been to the innocent party, don't begin to date. Don't even think about remarriage for at least a year. Because you need to learn how to live depending on the Lord alone so that when you choose to get married, you're choosing to get married to give love away, not because you're needy. Or what will happen is you will enter into another dysfunctional relationship. And many times when someone has been divorced and they're not free then to remarry, what happens during that time because of the way God wired us, the person who divorced them gets involved with another person. And then they are free to remarry. And that is a time in their life where they have matured, where they can enter into that marriage with God's blessing and with emotional stability. Now, you say, well, you're saying the scripture says the only biblical divorce is one for adultery? That's what Jesus says. You know, back in the 1970s when I was growing up, for the very first time, they allowed people to get a divorce in America for irreconcilable differences, whatever that means. Jesus doesn't mention irreconcilable differences. You can't get married for that. You can't get married for stupidity. You, you can't say, well, I'm going to get a divorce because I, I was stupid and I married the wrong person. Okay, you're stupid, but you can't get a divorce. You can't get a divorce because you've had a change of taste. I thought I liked brunettes and now I like blondes. Get her to change her hair, but you can't divorce her. You can't get a divorce for the kids. Oh my goodness, I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard that. We're gonna get a divorce for the benefit of the kids because when we were together, we were always yelling. Stop yelling. There's an easier way to fix this besides hurting your personal growth by, by hurting your kids, hurting your witness. 
deal with the problem instead of running from the problem. And then I've heard people say, well, I, I'm going to get a divorce because I really believe God wants me to be happy. Where's that verse? Where's the verse that you, 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 you separate that which God has put together because God wants you to be happy? Let me tell you something. Show me the verse that says God wants you happy more than he wants you to grow. That God wants you to be more happy than he wants to meet the needs of your children. That he wants you happy more than he wants to represent a model of intimacy and unconditional love to the world and for God to be glorified. Your happiness is not more important than your personal growth, the development of your kids spiritually, or the reputation of God. And yet, there are times when adultery is involved. And when adultery is involved, according to Jesus, then divorce is allowed. Not only divorce, but remarriage to someone else. You say, well, Steve, I thought God hated divorce. It does. It says it in Malachi. God hates divorce, but he also hates adultery. And when someone has committed adultery, the divorce does not end the marriage. The adultery ends the marriage. All divorce is is a declaration of something that is already a reality. Now, there is not a command in the Bible that if your spouse commits adultery, you must divorce them. But what you have to find out is if you have to find out if your repentance of your spouse is sincere. And if it is, you have the freedom to forgive them and do the hard long-term work of putting your marriage back together. But as the innocent party, as the victim, it's your judgment. And if you judge that they're not sincere or that this will happen again or they have truly ended the marriage, that you can move on in your life without guilt. You say, well, Pastor Steve, is there any other exceptions? Yes, in 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, it tells us the only other exception. It says, but to the married I give instructions. This is Paul speaking. He says, not I, but the Lord says that the wife should not leave her husband, but if she leaves, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband and that the husband should not divorce his wife. Now, what he's talking about here, again, is times where you have to be separated, but if you have to be separated and adultery's not uh, involved, then you have to remain unmarried because in God's eyes, you're still married to that person in a spiritual sense. But then he goes on in verse 12 to say, but to the rest, I say, now Paul's saying, I say, not the Lord. I'm giving my opinion is what Paul is saying here. That if any brother has a wife who's an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband and he consents to live with her, she must not send her husband away. What he's saying is, if you find yourself in a situation where you were both non-Christians and you got married and then you became a Christian, If the non-Christian spouse wants to stay with you, he says, you're not bound to it. It's not the Lord's command you have to stay with them. But my opinion, my encouragement is for you to stay with them because staying with them, perhaps you can lead them to the Lord in the relationship that you have. But then notice what he goes on to say in verse 15. He says, yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave the brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases but God has called us to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether or not you'll save your husband? Or how do you know, oh, husband, whether you'll save your wife? What he's saying there is if you're married to an unbeliever and the unbeliever does not want to stay married to you, you're free as if you were never married, just like in adultery. And you are free to marry. God's purpose, God's plan is one man for one woman for one lifetime. 
Sometimes that ends when an unfaithful spouse doesn't want to be married to you anymore. And if they have been unfaithful, then you're free to move on with your life. There are times when you get a divorce before you're a Christian and you realize that you've remarried and you shouldn't have ever remarried. You just confess that and God has forgiven that. You say, well, Steve, do I need to divorce my second wife and go back to my first one? No, 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 no. <clears throat> you keep God's perfect plan in the relationship that you're in. Does divorce mean that you are, have a lifetime ban from serving in a significant way? Not at all. We have people on our staff who were divorced before they became a Christian. We have people on our staff who were divorced after they became a Christian and have an unbiblical divorce, but they have confessed that before God and God has forgiven them for that. We have folks who all across our church who are in leadership positions who didn't have a choice and, and the divorce that they have, they don't need to bear any guilt for because it was within the realm of God's will. They either had no choice or their spouse committed adultery or it was a situation where they were married to an unbeliever and the unbeliever no longer wanted to be married to them and they were free. Let me tell you a true story that, that we have many of, but this is just one and I've asked permission to share this story. It's the story of Billy and Leanne Hill. Uh, they were married back in 2002, and shortly after that, about a year after that, they had their first son. And then several years later, they had another son, and life got real busy for them. They got busy in work and going back to school and parenting and all the other things that you get busy, and they found themselves living two separate lives. They had separate television programs that they enjoyed watching. They had separate friends. They had separate ho uh, 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 holidays, vacations. And they just found themselves living apart and both of them came to a point where they were actually breaking their marital vows. And uh, as a third child came, they went into counseling but it was almost like it was too little too late and they just felt like the, the, the past and the water that was under the bridge was just more than they could handle and so they separated and then shortly after that separation they got a divorce. Kids were eight, five and one at the time. And then God started doing what only God could do. They started attending here at Lake Point, started attending church together even though they were divorced with their children. They got involved with a, a, a marital counseling here and got some good biblical advice about how to work through some of the difficulties of their past and how to communicate better with one another. And they started attending Reengage. Reengage is a great uh, marriage enrichment program that meets here at our church every Tuesday night. Where truths are presented and people get into groups and do some of the hard work that you have to do to make a marriage stronger or rebuild a marriage that has fallen apart. And then in 2012, on June the 24th, Billy and Leanne Hill remarried each other and uh, put their family back together again. Now that's a story that I could tell over and over and over again. I could tell you the names of a dozen people off the top of my head who tried to do it themselves and tried to do it their way and did what they thought would bring them the greatest happiness but finally came to the point of desperation where they put it in the hands of Jesus and Jesus did what only Jesus could do. Le Leanne emailed me this week and she wrote these words. She said, 
it's not been easy since then. She said, we don't have a perfect marriage, but she said, we have a perfect Savior. And he can do what we cannot do. Here's what I know. There are some of you that are here today and that you have been divorced. And when you saw the title of the message today, you thought, oh my goodness, why did I come today? But I want you to know that you are not a second-class citizen in this church. We love you, and if you have brought your sin before God and you've confessed it, it's as if you never did that. And certainly those of you who never committed a sin in your divorce, God looks at you as one of his children, and we do too. I do know in a, in, a, in a church this size, with this kind of audience today, and those of you who are online, some of you are considering divorce, and I know that you're tired. I know you're weary, and, you, and you've tried what you feel like is everything, and what I want to encourage you to do is to, to just give God the whole thing. Let him know that you're willing to do whatever he wants you to do for however long it takes and watch God begin to move and to do things that you could never imagine. And I know you can't see it from where you're standing today. I know that. I know also there are people here today and you're flirting with an affair. And if you're, if you're gonna violate your marriage vows, be honest enough to go to your spouse before you do and just say, I don't wanna be married to you. Be, at least be honest about it. Because I believe what happens when you do that, it puts the light of day that's gonna come one of these days to what's going on right now. And you're going to be able to see it like everyone else is going to see it. Don't go there. Don't go there. The great thing is that no matter what mistakes we make, it's never the end of the story. When God can step in and do something new. And he can. And that's why God says... For this cause a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Therefore that which God hath joined together let no man separate. Let's thank God for that. Dear Heavenly Father we thank you for this wonderful thing called marriage. We thank you for this really hard thing called marriage. We thank you for what you do in our life and through our life when we give our marriages to you. Father, I don't know of anything in my life that has cost me more than my marriage. And I thank you that it's worth it. I pray, dear Father, that you can continue to build and strengthen all the marriages in our church for all the reasons that we've talked about today, but most of all, so that we might bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen.